Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships which means they are all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hello, everybody. If your wish in life was to have yet another sports podcast with two guys talking into microphones about sports, well, good news, folks. Welcome to the premiere episode, episode one, the pilot, maybe we can even call it, of a little hockey podcast we here at Vice are calling Biscuits. Trust me, it's branded. It's, it, it makes sense with the rest of their podcasts. It has nothing to do with Bojangles, nothing to do with KFC. Uh, I am Dave Lozo. I am your co-host alongside Sean McIndoo up there in Canada. Hi, Sean. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am wonderful. I am so excited to be sitting here in this beautiful studio we have out here in Brooklyn. Uh, you are up in, uh, I believe, Ottawa. Is that correct? I am. I am uh, coming to you live from my dining room table in picturesque Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Are you eating anything? Is there like a sandwich on your on your, on your table? There, There is not. No. Uh, there is a cup of lukewarm coffee, mm-hmm. which I will probably unprofessionally attempt to drink during the podcast and really gross everybody Yeah, out. if you can make as many drinking sounds and chewing sounds as you can, that would be super. Just to sort of introduce ourselves and set up the podcast here, uh, he's up in Canada. I am down here in America. He's in Ottawa. I'm in Brooklyn. So um, we're not in the same room. So he's at home. So he could do this totally naked if he wants. I'm here with my producer, Tim. Tim Barnes is here. Uh, he is not in favor of me doing the show naked, so I respect his wishes here in the workplace that is uh, this building out here in Brooklyn. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, which is probably a lot of people because who knows anybody these days, I am sort of a freelance hockey guy. I do stuff for Vice. I do stuff for all these other websites, and um, i got a couple podcasts. Uh, you can read me at The Comeback. You can read me at Vice. You can read me at Uprox. Um, I am basically a whore for anybody that will give me any money, do anything for the money. But I love Ticketmaster. I want to make sure everybody understands that that Ticketmaster read was completely from the heart. Sean, I'm sure you guys all know Sean. Sean is the funniest guy on hockey Twitter. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think they, they they ran some numbers. The analytics guys took a look at it, and they're never wrong. I mean, based on like retweets per sixty, you're you're definitely you're definitely leading the league. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost it's it's unsustainable, but for now. Uh, it, it should be good. And uh, yeah, I am uh, uh, on Twitter as well as on a blog where you may know me as Down Goes Brown. Uh, my work also appears on Sportsnet, on Vice, at the Hockey News and uh, and various other spots. I was previously at a website uh, called uh, Grantland. Mm, I've heard uh, of that. And, uh, and this is the, uh, the very first hockey podcast that I've done. So I uh, am going to be learning from Dave. Oh. Uh, as we go, because Dave has like 16 of these things on the go already. Yeah, but are any of them really good, though? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like learning from Chris Neal how to play hockey, where like, he's done it for a long time, but I mean, is he actually good at it? Is that the guy you kind of want to go to as your example? Don't 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 start knocking Chris Neal. I'm in Ottawa. He could find me. Yeah, but I mean, you could pretty much outrun him at this point, right? I mean, you're, he's not going to catch you. I mean, you could absolutely, he would absolutely pound your head in, but I'm pretty sure you're faster than him and probably more skilled than him. That's fair. I, we, we might find out. <laughs> I'm sure you're dying to hear us talk about hockey and not baseball because I mean there's nothing really going on in the world of baseball as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday afternoon 
like 12 hours after the most historic baseball game of maybe the last century. You, you guys want to talk about the Montreal Canadiens, right? That's that's what everyone wants to hear about today is the Montreal Canadiens, right? Yeah, absolutely. This it, it's if I know anything about the podcasting business, it's all about timing, and we are <laughs> we are striking while the iron is hot right now with some uh, with some hockey talk. So uh, yeah, let, why don't we start there? Why don't we kind of begin at the beginning, or mm. or in this sense, begin at the top of the NHL standings? Because you and I have, have talked about this a little bit this week already. I find that the top of the standings and the the top of the the power rankings or the the conversation about who is the best team in the NHL is just a total mess early on in the season. I know it's only ten games in; it's early, but uh, it, it, this season uh, so far, as far as the top half of the league, just seems uh, seems just so scattershot and so hard to to figure out because I, we've got sort of one consensus team that's at the top. And then after that, it's a bit of a mess. And and to make it even more complicated, that one team at the top is a team that we didn't think necessarily was going to be there. And obviously, that's the Montreal Canadiens, 10 games in, uh, nine wins, one overtime loss, no regulation losses. Uh, they are uh, already first place in the league by a mile, uh, plus 20 goals differential, which is just ridiculous. Uh, Carey Price uh, looks, so far... Uh, I would say even better than he looked in his MVP season may, may quite possibly be the best player in hockey right now. You know now. why that, you know why that is, right? Because Shea of Weber. Because of Shea Obviously. Weber, exactly. Because of this, this trade that they made that we all sort of scratched our heads over and, and wondered about. Uh, and, and now Shea Weber has turned the Montreal Canadiens into an invincible juggernaut while meanwhile, PK Subban and the Nashville Predators, who we'll get to in a little bit, uh, are, are just crashing and burning out, out in the central division. So, uh, it's it's one of these things where I, I mean normally you'd start a conversation like this by saying can they keep it up and obviously nobody nobody thinks the Montreal Canadiens are going to keep this up all season there, there's there's no, they're not going to win seventy games uh, but is this a team uh, in your view Dave that is that can be here in the you know in the number one spot can can this be a President's Trophy team can this be a team that's a top seed heading into the playoffs is this a team that we should be talking about as the Stanley Cup favorite in the NHL right now I can't believe you just called me David that was so formal we're supposed to be podcasting you got to call me like Lozo or something David's like I feel like I'm in trouble for my parents David tell me why Montreal's so good I don't know I don't know Seanith why they're so good I I the, here's the thing too is like when they made the trade for Weber I remember sitting there thinking the Canadians are going to be better next year anyway because Carey Price is going to be healthy. So they went from basically Mike Condon and Ben Scrivens for six months to Carey Price and Al Montoya. I mean, Al Montoya is not going to win the Vezina, but he's a much better goalie than Scrivens and a much better goalie than Mike Condon. Scrivens is playing in Russia, and Mike Condon's basically in the league because Ottawa has you know what's going on with Craig Anderson and his wife. They need a replacement goalie for that situation, and he played in Pittsburgh because Matt Murray was hurt. Now they have goaltending, and the thing that gets me is they're 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 winning early sort of based on their goaltending but yet everybody wants to just say oh pk suban's gone shea weber's here that's why montreal's winning and meanwhile they had the same exact start last season with pk suban when carry price was healthy this was kind of who they were last year they're, they're not really crushing teams possession wise i mean the canucks out, outshot them on wednesday night something like two to one for the whole game which the canucks don't do so that's not really a good sign um, Weber is way below, not way below, but he's in like, he's at something like 45%, I think, uh, just raw, raw Corsi or raw Fenwick, which is well below what they're doing as a team possession wise. And I understand he doesn't start every shift in the offensive zone. He gets tough matchups. I just, I don't think their start is so wild and crazy that it's super unexpected. I mean, obviously they're not going to go 81, 0 and 1. I mean, they have Shea Weber, so they'll probably go 80, 0 and 2. I mean, he'll probably, you know, one shootout loss where Shea Weber won't take part in the shootout, and that's why they'll lose. But it's just weird to me how much credit Shea Weber is getting at this point. It's just, it's, it's, I understand he's, he's got like a point per game, but my God, I, 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 I hate, there's, there's two things I hate in hockey. One is when people want to credit a guy for intangibles more than anything else. And two, when like Alan Walsh goes on Twitter and says baseball is worse than hockey because in baseball they have to come off the field for a rain delay. So right now those are the two things that are really chapping my butt at this. Well, D'Lo, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, all time too, right? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you're right on a lot of this stuff. I, it, on the Shea Weber thing, I, I wish, I wish it was possible to buy stock 
in player reputations because they're the two easiest buys in the offseason were Shea Weber and Milan Lucic. Mm -hmm. Because Shea Weber, you knew that if Carey Price came back and he was healthy and he played well, that the Montreal Canadiens were going to be much better. I don't think we expected this, but we knew that they were going to be better. Uh, And you just knew that Shea Weber was going to get a ton of credit for that. Even if he wasn't playing well or wasn't putting up big numbers he's got 10 points on the year so far so at least on the uh you know in terms of the 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 raw stats he's he's having a good year uh but even if he wasn't it it just his his sheer presence his sheer force Mm -hmm. of will was going to get credit and just like in Edmonton right you looked at Connor McDavid best player in the league quite possibly if he's healthy you got to figure the Edmonton Oilers have a good shot at being a playoff team and everybody was going to say it's because Milan Lucic showed up and showed them how to win and, and taught them what winning looked like and, and all of this other stuff that the hockey world loves to talk about. I mean, we there is no trope in the hockey world that we love more than the the young, talented team that has to learn how to win. Ever since, mm-hmm. ever since Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier walked by that Islanders dressing room back in 1983 and peered <laughs> inside uh, and, and saw them all beaten and bruised and, and suddenly realized this is what we have to do to be a dynasty, which is a story that every hockey fan loves so much. Uh, it probably isn't true, but they love that story so much, uh, <laughs> and and we've just been finding new ways to retell it for the last thirty plus years. So uh, you're right. I mean, Shea Weber is probably is probably getting more credit just because it's also, you know, it's it's a better story to tell. It's more fun to say that they went out there, they made a big trade. Uh, got criticized for it in a lot of quarters, and it's so far it is paying off, uh, and and everything that they thought they were going to get is 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 being uh, is being justified. That, that's a better story than saying they had one of the best goalies in the world. He got hurt last year, and right. they were really bad without him, and now he's healthy and he's and he's and they're good again. Uh, you know, you, you look at the schedule that they've played. You know. N- not necessarily what you'd call a weak schedule, but not a great one. Uh, they, they've they've beaten the Pittsburgh Penguins, who didn't have Sidney Crosby. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning a few uh, last week, and and you know that that's a legitimate team. Yeah, that, that was a good one. But other than that, that I mean, win. you look down. It's, it's Sabers, Coyotes, Canucks, Leafs. Uh, you know, Islanders are struggling. The Flyers haven't been quite what we thought. You know, they they haven't really been tested yet with some of those those stretches against the the really tough teams now you know i always say whenever we talk about strength of schedule you can only play the teams that are put in front of you and and the fact that you're beating bad teams doesn't mean that that you can't be a good team um but yeah i i think there certainly are some warning signs here that uh that this team isn't quite uh the powerhouse that we think they are but at the same time i you know i, I think you look around you look at the atlantic division you look even in the eastern conference can this be a team that can win the Atlantic? Yeah, I mean, I I think they can. I mean, I, I think other than the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I've I've been backing pretty much all year, they're my preseason Stanley Cup pick. Uh, you, you know, I'm not sure I see anything else here that really makes me think that oh, geez, the Canadians better be looking over their shoulders here. Well, they got to play Toronto like four more four more times, right? So that's 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 yeah. I mean, up. that's that's like 13 Austin Matthews goals right there. <laughs> Who do you think is going to finish with more points this year, Montreal or Nashville? I, I think you, you got to take Montreal yeah. at this point, right? How many points ahead are they? They've, they've got a, what is it, 12? 12. It's 19-7. 12-point head start with, ah, geez, with 70 games to go. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, th- that's the thing. When you see a team start like this and you go, well, you know, they, they're going to regress. This number's going to come down. That number's going to go back up. Even if they've done that, they've banked so many points that they're they're still yeah. going to look pretty good. I mean, even if they play, they've got 72 games left. They play 500 the rest of the way. Just, you know, 500 point a game hockey, which is bad in today's NHL. That's a bad team. They're still over 90 points on the year. So, uh, you know, they, they've got themselves in good shape. And obviously, we have to add the caveat that if Carey Price gets hurt again, all bets are off. Uh, he's he's clearly, uh, as we saw last year, the, the most important player uh, probably on, on any team in the league, uh, you know, it, most teams you could point to us that have a star goaltender. You say, you know, if, if that goalie gets hurt, they're in big trouble. You look at the LA Kings exhibit a of that, but certainly Montreal, if anything were to happen to Carey Price, they're, they're in, they're in big trouble at that point. Uh, but I'm not sure you hold that against. I don't think you can evaluate teams by saying, Oh, if they're, if their most important player suddenly missed 60 games, what would happen? Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like they are in good shape. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I look at, like I say, the rest of the Atlantic, Detroit, do we trust them? I don't know. Ottawa, I, you know, I don't think that's a, a team that uh, is as good as their record indicates. Tampa Bay, I, I think will kick it into gear at some point. 
Uh, Florida's a question mark right now, and and then you know the rest of it is is not strong at all. So I think they're in really good shape, even though I'm not necessarily convinced that they are a top tier team, like a one of the best five or six teams in the league over the long haul. I don't think we we get to the end of the season and we're still talking about the Montreal Canadiens as a Stanley Cup favorite. But I do think they've they've shown us that they're a good team, and and even if you know they, at the very least what they've accomplished, they bought themselves some insurance so that if they do hit a rough patch, they've got all those points in the bank already that uh, uh, that they can still finish with a, a pretty decent record, good playoff seating, hopefully a good matchup, and then I don't man, I don't know, I I don't want to be facing Carey Price in a seven game series. Come on, man, with your skills, you would score at least seven goals in that series. Don't don't sell yourself short. You don't want to face Carey Price. You 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 light him up, man. I've seen you play. I probably would. I go top shelf a few times, or or I just do the or I just do the New York Rangers thing and and just blatantly smash into go. his injured knee and, and <laughs> there it is. accidentally there it take is. him out. <laughs> the, I, like, looking at the standings, they're they're so weird to me this year. So Pittsburgh is leading their division. Washington's two points behind. I think that makes sense. But then the Rangers are scoring four goals per frigging game through ten games, which is insane to me. Minnesota, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux is supposed to make them better, but I can't believe they're leading that division so far through ten games. Edmonton has fifteen points. You know, even Vancouver. Vancouver hasn't won a game in like two weeks, but they've still banked nine points. It's just a weird year. Like for the longest time going into seasons, like I remember we had to do this um story back in my back in my bleacher report days. Let me tell you a little story about the past, Sean, about about the bleacher report. And we had this thing where me and Jonathan Willis, our editors were like, Hey, we want one of you to um, take us, take the Blackhawks and the Kings as your Stanley cup picks. And we want someone else to take the rest of the field. So which, which one of you guys wants the field? Which one of you guys wants the Blackhawks and Kings? And I think two years in a row, we were both like, we both want the Blackhawks and Kings. It's the, the rest of the league stinks compared to them. And now this year it's just so wide open. Like, yeah, Washington and Pittsburgh and Tampa are good. And Chicago's got back up to 13 points, but it really feels like a transition year, like where you see Edmonton has 15 points. I mean, Toronto's, I hate to say this to you, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs. But you can see them starting to come with Nylander and Matthews. And it's kind of fun in a way, except for Montreal, which, is, which of course, has to be the team that annoys everybody with their stupid narratives and their stupid Shea Weber and their stupid nobody wants to go into. Like Patrick O'Sullivan trolling me on Twitter every third day about how tough Shea Weber is. It's not. It's fun in a way because I, I really enjoy new storylines. I really hate getting into a rut where like, my writing is just the same thing year in and year out. And now it's just like anything can happen. Like right now, Jimmy VC is on pace for like 70 goals this season. Like wh- I, I, why can't he shoot 30% all year? I think that's possible because I want to believe in crazy things. It, it, you know what? It's a fun time to be a fan. I, I don't know if it's that fun of a time to necessarily be a writer or especially to be a writer it, <laughs> like, like me who very foolishly uh, decided to do weekly power rankings all season long. And I'm sitting there every every Sunday night trying to come up with a top five and, and a bottom five. And the bottom five hasn't been too bad. I mean, we're starting to see some teams that we expected not to be good settle in uh, uh, down there. But uh, trying to figure out, I mean, yeah, you go ahead and throw Montreal in the number one spot. Uh, and then from there, it's just, it's 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 really hard to, to find a team that you, you feel like you, you want to hang your hat on. And I, I find that even when I'm writing about a team like the Rangers, or if I'm writing about a team like Detroit or a team like Minnesota, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting so many conditionals and so many, well, you know, if this, but maybe that, and keep in mind this, because I just feel like at least some of those teams, I'm going to look back, forget about the end of the season. I'm going to look back in, in mid-December and be like, what was I talking about? Why did I think the Rangers were good? How did I not see that Minnesota was going to collapse? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it just, it's, it, usually you start to see at least some separation. And, and, you know, I feel like if you went out there and asked 10 different fans, uh, who is the second best team in the league right now? Assuming you put Montreal number one, uh, and you might even get some de- some some debate over that. But if we if we just for sake of argument put Montreal number one, you ask ten fans who's the number two team in the league, you might get ten different answers right now. They would all just pick their favorite team. They would all just be like, I think Carolina is the second best team in the league. You don't understand. We have a lot of good defensemen. You know, I don't want to ask fans that question. Though they would give you li- they, they would lie to you every single time. I think it's I think it's I think right now the best team in the league. Ah, you see, the thing too is Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Pittsburgh seven two and one as of right now, and and, and, the, and four straight uh, wins with Sidney Crosby in the lineup, which I I think you you kind of yeah. almost disregard the start of the season where he wasn't there. Like he wasn't there, Matt Murray wasn't there, Latang has missed a bunch of games, and they're seven two and one, and now Latang is back, Murray's back, Crosby's back. I still think I, they were my pick before the year to win the cup. So to me, I think 
I, I mean, I understand Montreal, 9-0-1, Shea Weber, greatest leader of all time, not the captain, but captain-esque in his way he walks around the locker room with his chest pumped out, pumping people up with his great leadership ability. <sighs> I still think Pittsburgh's probably a better team. But beyond that, like, you know, the Rangers are not going to score four goals a game all season. I mean, I want... I think it would be great if Cam Talbot finished the year with a 937 save percentage because Cam Talbot's a nice guy, but I mean, he's not going to do that. I just, it's, it's tough at this early stage. Like I always feel like once you get to the 20 game mark, that's when you can kind of get a feel for teams. Sometimes you can get a feel for them earlier, but I just beyond, beyond like, yeah, like you said, like beyond those top teams, I, I'm actually more enamored with how Nashville and Dallas are so bad. Because in a way, like Nashville, I think was a lot of people's pick to come out of the West. So them being in last place in the Central, they have seven points as of right now. They have one more point than the Arizona friggin' Coyotes, who have like twenty percent of their salary cap tied up in guys who aren't playing for them, and somehow they're they're one point behind them at this point. And Dallas, I'm sort of bad at Dallas because what was the one thing that was a problem last year? Goaltending. What 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 does every team in the league seemingly have this year? An extra goaltender. There's there's. Flurry and Flurry and Murray. There's Bishop and Vasilevsky. There's Halak and Barubi and Grice. And somehow they said, you know what? Let's go with the two guys that had a 903 last year for 82 games and then cost us in the playoffs. Like, why would they not figure out a way to assess that? Like, I'm I'm I feel bad for Nashville because I feel like they're a better team than they've shown. But with Dallas, like this was an avoidable situation. You could have done something about what your problem is right now, which is it, again, it was probably the number one story going in the offseason that we could all agree like this is the one team that has the one area they need to upgrade and and i guess the question and and we we don't know the answer to this now maybe we maybe we will at some point but the question that i'd be fascinated by is did they decide not to do anything about it or could they just not do anything about it because the the problem right. is finding a better goaltender than Anthony Nemi or, or Kerry Layton, and a, a goaltender you're going to trust more than, than either of those guys, probably not very difficult. But the problem with the Dallas Stars is both of those guys are still signed through this year and next year, yeah. and, and it's it, the cap hit combined is over $10 million on those two. Uh, so you're in a situation where you, you either bring in a, a third goaltender to take one of those spots, and you have to just eat one of those contracts, you know, put one, you, you, you're not going to, nobody's going to take one of those guys on waivers, uh, given the salaries they have. So you, you either have to send someone down to the minors or send them home uh, and just eat that cap hit, which is not something that's easy to do when you're a team like the Dallas Stars that aspires to potentially be a Stanley Cup contender this year. Uh, or you've got to get the team that you're trading with to take one of those guys back, which you know, you're probably, again, going to have to eat salary. You're going to have to take a bad contract. There, there's going to be something. You know, Those two contracts are sort of the the the... the Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The albatross, it prevents you from being able to, to make that move if you're Jim Nil, potentially. Uh, and I think if there's good news for the stars, it's that uh, as the season goes on, in theory, it should get easier to move one of those guys. Uh, two things should happen as the season goes on. Number one, we all expect that the expansion draft looming next offseason is going to shake some goaltenders loose. There's going to be some teams that realize we can only keep one, you can only protect one goaltender. We've got to, if we've got two guys that are decent, we think we're going to lose somebody for nothing. Maybe we make a trade instead. Even if it's a guy we wouldn't normally trade, better to trade him now than to do it uh, than to lose them in the offseason for nothing in an expansion draft. So maybe some guys shake loose. Uh, you, you mentioned some of the names already. Maybe there's other guys available halfway through the season that we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, and maybe it gets a little easier to move one of those two contracts because now you're saying, okay, you've, you've only got half the season left, so the, the, the pro-rated cap hit in the dollars isn't so bad, and then you've only got one year left. You know, a lot of teams can handle maybe taking a bad contract for a year. Maybe you buy it out. Maybe you, you do something. Uh, so in theory, it, it's at least possible that Jim Neal looked at this situation and went, you know what, 
it's going to be real tough to do anything in the offseason. Let me get to the halfway part or let me get maybe to the trade deadline and see where I'm at. Maybe these guys play great. Maybe they turn it around and I don't have a goaltending problem. Or maybe I do, uh, at which point I can go and, and it'll be an easier place to make a trade. And that, that all makes sense. But the problem is that that all rests on the assumption that at that halfway point or that trade deadline that you're still comfortably in a playoff spot and you're not risking your whole season on playing this waiting game. And right now, you know, again, nine games in for the Dallas Stars. So a lot of, a lot of way left to go. Uh, but they've won, they've won three out of nine. Both the goaltenders look bad. Uh, and you know, they're in that tough central division where, you know, you, you can't just punt away 20 or 30 or 40 games. Uh, because by the time you do that, you might be 10 points out of a playoff spot and your, your season is basically done. I feel like Nashville is a better bet to turn it around, even though everyone seems to be really down on them, which I think is also a reflexive reaction to Montreal being so good. Everyone's just like, well, there we go. We figured out who won the trade already nine games in. But they're so talented. They're so The only area with Nashville where I thought, well, maybe two areas, was the centers behind Ryan Johansson, Mike Ribeiro, and Mike Fisher are combined. I think you and I might be younger than them. At this point, I'm not. We're, we're close. We're worried right around the same age. We probably had the same knee and back issues that they do, and I just don't know if I would trust those two guys over the course of a full season, like I like they did last year. I think Ribeiro kind of hit a wall in the postseason, so long term, I was kind of worried about that. But the thing I feel like I might have overlooked and maybe a little bit overestimated was Pekka Rene. I mean, he's 34. There's a lot of guys on that team that are young superstars on the rise, like Johansson and. Uh, Philip Forsberg and I mean Roman Yossi's not y- super young but I mean they have a good core of young players now but Pekka Rene hasn't really been stopping pucks at anything more than an average level for a few years so I still think the team in front of Pekka Rene and Pekka Rene himself is better than what Dallas has so I, I just I, I, I that, you're right that division's so good that you can't fall behind 10 points and the thing with too with Dallas is if Anthony Emmy had one year left on his deal he'd probably be a lot easier to trade. Like if this was his last year, but now you're probably looking at a situation where it's like the Blackhawks where they wanted to get rid of Brian Bickle. So they had to throw in Tavu Teravine. And if they want to get rid of Antti Yemi, they probably have to throw in, I don't even know, Steven Johns, somebody like that to, to get someone to take that contract. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's like I said, it's a weird year where like we, you, you, we got settled in year after year to what the situation was going to be every year where it's Kings and stars or Kings and Blackhawks. And maybe the stars will make a run. Maybe this is the blues year. How about Washington? Now, like, like literally, the Edmonton Oilers could go to the Western Conference Final this year, and I think that's great. But I'm I'm slightly mad at the Dallas Stars for not addressing their goaltending situation, or at least doing something about it in the offseason. And I hope Jim Neal's listening. You you should have you should have done something about that. I hope I hope you I hope you're happy you're hope you're proud of yourself right now, Jim. I'm Neal. sure I'm sure he's listening. The, the Nashville Predators are the biggest mystery story of the first month of the season. I don't think there's there's any question because. It, it, you know, you're you're right. We all expected this to be a good team. A lot of people had them winning the division. A lot of people had them going deep in the playoffs. Even I saw a few picks that had them winning the Stanley Cup. And what's strange is that nothing changed. You know, they they didn't they don't have a new coach. They didn't have. There's right. no major personnel moves other than the Shea Weber trade. There's really nothing uh, that changed. And yet you look at. Uh, Blame PK Subban. Yeah, Blame you know, PK Subban. Say you, it, you say can it. understand. I mean, that, that's obviously ridiculous <laughs> to 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 take that approach. But you can you can see why some fans might be looking at it, going, you know, only one thing changed on this entire team, and uh, uh, and that was it. But I mean, you know, and, and PK Subban's been been reasonably good uh, early on. But uh, I mean, you look down, you look down that whole roster. I mean, Philip Forsberg hasn't scored yet. Uh, Ryan Johansson, I, I I think at one point. Uh, I, I think in in maybe the last game just got his first even strength point even strength goal that he was even on the ice for that he that he had uh, uh, been been part of helping to create James Neal isn't scoring right. uh, you just go down the 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 whole list and and nobody seems to be performing and you know it, it's the kind of thing where if 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 it's a situation where nothing has changed. And you look and you're seeing these kind of results. It's tempting to just say, well, you know what? This is just a fluke. This is just one of those situations where a team is having a rough nine-game stretch and we're all paying attention because it happens to have been the first nine games. And if this was game 51 through 59 instead of one through nine, we, we would barely even notice. Uh, but then you, you you actually watch them play, and there are there are nights where they just they they look like a mess. I mean, and it's it's been fascinating to me because there's a lot of people that I follow on Twitter or that I read their work, people that are much smarter than I am, who have kind of tried to figure this out, and they they all come back. They just kind of throw their hands up and go, I I can't figure out what is going on in Nashville. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's such a fascinating case. And, you know, they look great in the last game. The last game when they beat Colorado, uh, they're, 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 they're playing, we're recording this on Thursday. They're playing tonight against, uh, Arizona. So, uh, but the, the last game that we've seen them as we're recording this, when they beat Colorado five to one, they look fantastic. That was what we thought they were going to look like. So maybe that's the start of the turnaround. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at that central division and Chicago and St. Louis are already pulling away. Minnesota, I don't trust at all. Minnesota, if you look at the numbers that that tell you when to be concerned that a team is is overachieving based on on what they should, that that, that whole dashboard is flashing red for for the Minnesota Wild. So I think that's a team that uh, you know you you probably don't expect uh, to to have the same sort of level of success. But even if you know even if they fall back, uh, you know is there room for Dallas and Nashville to make that push? There there probably is, but the Central Divisions. Has, has sent five teams to the playoffs every year under the new format because the Pacific has always been so bad. And now, you know, you look out in the Pacific right now, is that going to be the case again? Edmonton's good. San Jose's good. Anaheim, not so good yet, but maybe they turn it around. The Kings, who knows? Uh, Calgary, you, you, you wonder if there's still time for them to turn it around they're, they're, or if there's still uh, a, a way for them to do that. Should be. Vancouver and Arizona, I, I, we're, we're probably ready to write off. Um but yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, it. I we're realistically right now, even though I think I, I still believe in Dallas, I still believe in Nashville, I still think they're two of the better teams in the league. Uh, and I know it for some people, it strikes them as crazy that we're there's 70 games left. And why are you talking about teams running out of time or being out of the race? But <laughs> history shows us that you, they're really the margin for error in this league right now uh, with with all the parity and competitive balance and, and all of this stuff. It's so it's so tight that you really can't afford a slow start. You really can't afford a slow stretch. And you, you really look at it and you wonder, is there going to be room for Dallas and Nashville to both be in the playoffs by the end of the year? So we're halfway through the show, and that means it's once again time to remind you that this week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. As Sean knows, Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. You're aware of this, right, Sean? I am aware, and I, Dave, I don't know if you're aware, but the reason for that is that Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, and what that means is they are all real, and you will never get fake tickets. Wow, because that's that's actually pretty good, because you don't want to get fake tickets. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-2017 NHL season. Once again, that's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. We're going to start a new segment because Sean's in Canada and I'm in America. Sean is in the heartland of hockey. He speaks for all Canadian people in a little segment we're calling, what are we calling it? We're probably going to mess up the title every time. Uh, What are Canadians panicking about this week? And I think it's pretty fair to say that there's one team for sure everybody's panicking about. Sean, why is everybody panicking about the Vancouver Canucks? Are they panicking about the Vancouver Canucks? Because they must be. They're terrible, they're bad, and they think they're good, and they're never going to They rebuild. should be panicking about the Vancouver Canucks uh, because, as you say, the Vancouver Canucks are... They, they were a fun team to start the year because it, it, they... As as the offseason went on, I feel like it went from people going, ah, you know, I'm not so sure about the Canucks, to suddenly, like, the last few weeks before the season started, the, this consensus formed that the Vancouver Canucks were quite possibly the worst team in the entire league. And and you started seeing a lot of predictions show up <laughs> saying, this is the team that's going to finish 30th and, and go into the draft lottery holding holding the best odds, which was, which was fascinating because the Vancouver Canucks are not a team that's rebuilding. The Vancouver Canucks think that they're a good team and they are conducting themselves accordingly. They are doing things like trading prospects and draft picks uh, for guys who can come in and, and solidify the blue line right now. They're doing things like signing uh, free agents who, who are 30 years old to six-year contracts. Uh, those aren't the sort of things that you do when you think, you know, maybe it's time to bite the bullet and rebuild and, and take the step back and, and maybe we finish last for a couple of years. Those are the sorts of things you do when you think you can make a run at the playoffs and then cross your fingers and, and hope that you can go on a run from there. And, and the comments from uh, you know, people like Jim Benning and and uh, and to some extent Trevor Linden were along those lines that they felt like no, this is a team that can compete uh, for a playoff spot and maybe even for a Stanley Cup this year. And everybody else was sort of shaking their heads and saying, "How how can you look at that roster and think uh, that you've got a contender on your hands?" And when I say everyone, I, I'm counting a lot of Canuck fans. Uh, 
among that because there are certainly, uh, uh, you know, every team has got its fans that go in with the rose-colored glasses and they will defend the team no matter what. And they always think that this is the year. But I, I do find that at least the Canucks fans that, that I interact with or that I, I see uh, out there, there's a lot of realism out there that this this team isn't that good and that they are uh, that that there's there's almost that appetite to to take the step back and to do the rebuild and this looks familiar to me as a you know as a as a Canadian we've seen we saw the Toronto Maple Leafs do this for the better part of a decade after the lockout where they just every single year uh, tried to sque- put together a team that could squeeze in, in the playoffs and never did it we we saw the Calgary Flames go through this towards the end of the Jerome Ginla era where there were a couple years there where everybody was like guys you need to hit the reset button here and and rebuild uh and they just never did it and and now uh you've got the Canucks kind of in the same situation and, and it all it all built up to what I thought was a really interesting situation this week because there's a there's a player in the Canucks organization uh named named Troy Stetcher and this is a organization yes. I like I like that you bring the he Canadian is yeah he, he is he is in the organization he is a if 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 you don't know the name this is this was an undrafted college kid signed with the the Canucks this year uh, a a good prospect a good young player not a guy who got like the Jimmy Vesey level of attention but uh, you know a good player came into training camp and, and looked real good uh, he's a you know he's a defenseman uh, a smaller guy under six feet uh, but uh, a, a good two way defenseman can can has some offense can but can also take care of things in his own zone. Uh, decent prospect, and, and a lot of Canuck fans were excited about him, and he comes in in training camp uh, and plays really well, makes a good push to make the team, uh, it ends up being one of the last cuts, and then uh, about a week into the season, he gets the, they run into some injury problems. He gets the call up, comes in, plays plays great. Canuck fans love the guy. They're, they're, you know, they're all talking about uh, this this kid. He's, he's going to be the future. We've, we've really got something. And then this week, he got sent back down to the AHL, and there was this really weird reaction among Canucks fans because what happened initially there was this anger like well what are we doing this kid's great why would we send him down you got to find a way to to keep him up there but then there was like this second wave where fans were like well wait a second Uh, are we tanking now is that what's happening like are are we making these decisions because Uh... we're because maybe you know is this is this the start of the tank and and how do we feel about that and it's uh, I I just, I, like I say, I've seen this before. As a Leafs fan, I have seen this so many times. And, and it's it's just, it's always this fun middle ground because there's some fan bases out there that trust the front office and the management. Uh, and 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 rightly so, it, that trust has been earned and, and they feel confident. Even when they see the team do something they're not really sure about, they go, okay, you know what? I trust the people making the decision. There's other teams that hate their front offices. They hate the decision makers and they have no trust whatsoever. Uh, but you, you kind of get this middle ground, and I feel like it, it, certainly Vancouver is, it, it, in my experience, leaning more towards that latter group of not trusting the management, but I don't know that they're quite there yet. And so you see a move like this, and they all kind of make like that Futurama face where they're like, not not sure if incompetent or tanking. <laughs> and there's this kind of like weird, like, uh, well, you know, if they're doing this on purpose, maybe that's okay. Uh, or maybe they just don't know what they're doing, and and uh, you know we, we've we've got to sort of wait and see how it plays out. So that it's it's always fascinating to me when you have a fan base that starts to kind of actively root against the own team for their own good, because the NHL has set up this system where they reward tanking and they reward teams for for being as bad as possible, and we've certainly seen are quite a few teams take advantage of that over the last uh, few years and there's kind of this appetite for Vancouver to do it and and they don't seem to be uh but maybe they are maybe the stealth tank has begun and uh and Vancouver fans will stop panicking uh and have something to be a little bit happy about I, I really really appreciate how you explain the situation through a meme yeah not, and not only a meme it's but like, like an yeah. eight-year-old meme that yeah. that just finally <laughs> bubbled its way to the surface and, and caught the attention of old people <laughs> like me here's the thing Vancouver clearly can't be tanking because they just paid Louis Erickson a bunch of money and they just traded for Erica Branson. Like, like the panic. I, I, it's weird to me that in Canada, teams never want to sort of ever commit to the tank. Like Toronto did last year, but that's such a rarity. And the excuse is, it reminds me of like the Knicks back here, down here in New York, where they would never want to rebuild because they always said, well, the fan base won't stand for it. But I always saw it the opposite way, where... If you have a fan base that's super passionate, super deep, super loyal, you can do whatever you want. Like Toronto. Toronto spent an entire year losing on purpose, and everybody loved it because they were like, yes, this is the thing you should do to get the awesome 18-year-old hockey player that's going to turn things around for us. 
And it just seems like, you know, I mean, Edmonton really wasn't tanking. They were just pretty much bad at doing everything a front office should do. Calgary didn't want to tank. Now Vancouver doesn't want to tank. Uh, I mean, Montreal had one bad year sort of by accident and got Galchenyuk. But just it's it's weird to me that in a country where you can be bad for 10 years like the Oilers and you can tank, you can do the right thing. You can not sort of put little Band-Aids on, on your roster to sort of make a run for the the eighth spot or the wild card spot every year. You can just say, hey, we're going to trade the Sedins while they're 37 years old and give them a chance to win a cup at Anaheim or something. I think Vancouver fans, they can't be any sadder or more angry than they are now. Like if you're if you're getting this worked up about an undrafted free agent being sent to the AHL, they're passionate. They're going to be there no matter what. If you get something good in return, if you sink to the bottom of the standings and you win the draft lottery, people are going to be happy. Like to me, it's almost like it's almost like a sad panic in a way because it's almost like inevitable where they're just going to ride this thing into the ground. They're going to wait for the Sedin's like knees to explode. And then they're going to be like, all right, fine. We're going to rebuild. Like what, like in your mind, what are people more panicked about right now in Canada, the Vancouver Canucks or whether or not the Blue Jays re-sign Edwin Encarnacion? Yeah, it, yeah, no, it, it could be, it could be the Blue Jays. Cause I mean, the, the panic for the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> is just in Vancouver. Everybody else is, is just eating their popcorn and laughing hysterically at just but, but you know it. what you're right you, you nailed it that there's this weird i don't know if it's a double standard but there's this weird thought pattern that goes with canadian fans and you see it especially uh in toronto toronto is 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 toronto maple leaf fans get hammered for two things they're told that the reason the maple leafs are bad is because toronto fans don't demand a winner. Toronto fans fill the building every night, and you get these these stupid takes where people say, you know, if the building was Suckers. half empty, you know, as if there isn't like a thirty year waiting list to get seasons tickets, as if there isn't a massive business community that buys up all the seats all the time, anyways. But they, you know, if the building was half empty, uh, they would turn around and they would be forced to go out there and and build a winner. Uh, and it's a ridiculous take, and it's stupid, and it, it completely misunderstands how revenue and and the modern NHL business works because you can't show me a business plan for the Toronto Maple Leafs where they make more money uh, missing the playoffs than being a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs print money when they miss the playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs would have all the money if they could win a Stanley Cup. If you ever saw the Maple Leafs do what the Cubs just did, I mean, the they would just, they'd be selling Austin Matthews jerseys for a thousand bucks a pop at the ACC, and they'd be sold out all the time. It, it would just be absolutely ridiculous. Ratings would be through the roof, all of that stuff. But you get this this dumb take that says that the reason the Maple Leafs been bad for so long is because their fans aren't demanding enough. And yet then when it's time to rebuild, you get the exact opposite thrown back at them saying, Toronto Maple Leaf fans are too demanding. They won't accept the rebuild. Right. And, and you see that in, in other places too. And you're right, I don't buy it. I think Canadian teams... Probably with the exception of Ottawa, I think Ottawa actually is a market where there's genuine concern that about what the building would look like and, and what the fan sport would look like if they went back and, and, and rode off three years to do a, a real rebuild. And I think that's partly why you see Ottawa getting being one of those teams that's stuck in the middle, just trying to get the wild card and, and maybe fluke out one win in the playoffs every year. Um, Winnipeg, maybe we don't really know. They haven't been back long enough to really get a get a measure of what that market's going to be like. But the rest of the teams, you're right. They they could do the rebuild. It's not going to be like in Chicago or Pittsburgh where it, you know they were bad for years and the building was half empty. I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are considered right. this great market now. They almost moved a few times, uh, you know, ten or twenty years ago, uh, right out of that market. Chicago probably considered the NHL's best market right now. They, that building was half empty. Uh, it, towards the end of the Bill Wirtz years. So you wouldn't see that in Canada, and you would think there would be that cover. Uh, and yet there's this feeling that, you know, I, I almost wonder if it's less about the business and less about selling tickets and more just about the day-to-day heat, that you just, you know, the, the these GMs, these owners, these team presidents just can't take the day-to-day heat of, of knowing that you're going to get ripped in the newspaper every day over the losing you're going to get ripped on talk radio every day i mean you look in toronto has four daily newspapers two sports radio stations two sports tv stations that are national but are are centered in toronto there's just so much coverage that you do have to have a certain type of personality come in and say i'm going to tear it down and i don't care you go ahead and say whatever you want about us we believe in the plan i thought brian burke was the perfect guy to do it he chose not to brandon shanahan seems like he's 
handling it so far, and 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 certainly the fact that they've had some good results is helping that. Uh, but you're right. I I don't really know where the excuses are coming from because I I don't buy for a minute this idea that you know the Canadian markets are so demanding and so tough. Uh, you know I think Canadian fans are smart fans. They understand how the NHL works right now, and I think they look around uh, at teams that have gone down this path, and they understand it doesn't work every time. But it seems to work a lot more often than any other strategy. And, and I think, I know that Maple Leaf fans were begging. They were begging for somebody to do this. When Brandon Chan, I mean, remember when Brandon Shanahan first came in and he kept Randy Carlisle that first offseason? And people lost their right. minds because they were like, this, you were supposed to be the chosen one. You were the one who was finally going to do it. <laughs> uh, and it turned out it was it was just more a case of Shanahan taking taking a year to really evaluate before he, he really started rolling grenades into uh, into the into the into the front office and everywhere else um but uh yeah i mean the leaf fans were begging for it and i feel like canuck fans are are getting pretty close to being at that point too are are you like sad in a way because you've you've built your hashtag brand on like killer leafs jokes about how incompetent they are and now for like two plus years they've done smart things for two years do you just like sit at your computer sometimes and just stare like i can't think of anything i get I, at least once a week usually more often somebody will express genuine concern to me that they don't know <laughs> like usually if, if something good happens to the leafs they're like you know what i'm a leafs fan have been my whole life i'm very happy they made this trade or they did this or that but i'm concerned about you like are you still gonna be okay are you still gonna be funny are you still gonna and you know my answer is I don't know, but uh, I'm not. I, I will I will worry about that when we get there because I I've got I've got 30 plus years of Leafs fan baggage <laughs> built up, and I'm I'm not ready to spike the football just because they they got one first down way at the other end of the field. No, the, you you could be like Bill Simmons, where like Bill Simmons was the lovable loser fan of like the Red Sox for all those years, and then they started to get good. Oh, I will be. Oh, I will be. Don't d- yeah, don't worry. Do if the Leafs ever are good. I'm like, yeah, like Bill will be like, dude, tone it down. This is, you're going too far. I mean, I I know I've seen people say that they're, you know, they're like, boy, I, I almost, uh, you know, I almost feel bad for Leaf fans, but I'm worried that if that team's ever good, what are their fans going to be like? We're going to be terrible. Be, be ready. There is not going to be any sort of like Chicago Cubs. Like let's all get behind the team with the drought. No, like if we, if we win two playoff games in the first round, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be it's going to be insufferable and it's going to be wall to wall up here in Canada and everybody is going to hate us and root against us uh, and we're not going to care at all. You're just going to start like putting a period before your ats and put like at the Edmonton Oilers just be like, what's up? What's up, dudes? How's your rebuild going? Ours is going pretty good. And then like sign your tweet like the Canadian yeah, sports guy. I might do that. I think you should do that. I think that I think that'd be really good content. I think I think because we have to work on a transition at this point because the Leafs or the Leafs are going to be good at some point, and you have to sort of have a new personality. We we have to rebrand you as the instead of down goes Brown. Um, what, what's a good What's a good Twitter handle for you instead of down goes Brown? Like like Dicky Leafs fan, <laughs> Dick Leafs. I, I don't I know. I don't know. Probably, I'm just riffing like here. Probably Dicky Leafs fan five seventy three <laughs> or something because. There, there's, there, there's going to be a lineup for, for that. But uh, yeah, we're, we, we know already. We, we've all got like, we've already got like ten jokes in our back pocket. We know you're all going to hate us, and we're just going to, uh, we're just going to revel in it. But the, the good news is it, it, that we're probably describing a scenario that's going to take another thirty or thirty five years to play out. And it will be led by an American. So um, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We, I think we want to get to a point where we're doing some uh, some reader questions. I keep saying reader. I, I keep calling the podcast listeners readers. I mean, you're, you're reading transcripts of this probably. But no, we want to get like some listener questions in because, again, when you do a sports podcast, it has to have two guys. It has to have us talking in, in different rooms, and we have to have reader questions. But we didn't really put the listener questions, not reader questions. What's wrong with me? Why can I keep saying reader? But we'll, I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that next week. And... Um, I really don't have anything to usually at this point of the podcast, the host starts talking about like books they have for sale and like their TV appearances. Like I got nothing. So if you got anything else you want to, you want to plug, I mean, go, I, go I, for it. I, I don't have anything else I want to plug, but I, I do, I do hope people enjoy the podcast. I hope they like the first episode. I am, uh, would be happy to hear feedback from, uh, from readers and, uh, uh, any, any suggestions or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, you said and, readers. Uh, yeah, well, that be, that's that's what they are now. This has become a thing. <laughs> so, to all those readers out there, thank you for reading our podcast. <laughs> Please tune in next week where uh, you can read some more. And uh, me, me, and the low dog will be uh, uh, will be back to uh, uh, for uh, episode two. If you want to check us out on Vice 
vice.com or vice.ca. I believe we're on both vices. We're on both.com and .ca. Uh, I'm on there, you know, once or twice a week. I think I have something up on the site now where um, I took a look at the uh, the young dudes in the league, the rookies, uh, the teens, the millennials, the lit AF generation of uh, players that are kind of making the NHL super fun to start the season. So um, if you're interested in content that speaks to the millennial, which I know me as a 38-year-old man, I, I speak to the millennial, uh, you can check that out. Me and Sean also have a, a little email thing we do once a month that's up there too. And I know Sean has a hashtag content. I do. I've got a weekly column that uh, you can find on Vice Sports uh, in which uh, I look at kind of the entire NHL, some of the stories that are going on this uh, this week. I'll be talking about all-star voting and uh, uh, talking about players getting sent back to junior and uh, and some of the other stories that are going on. And every week I also find a classic old YouTube clip and then break it down in way, way too much detail. Uh, and, uh, and that's usually good fun. And, uh, yeah, you can find that, uh, every, every Friday at Vice Sports. And thanks to our producer, Tim Barnes. We gotta, we gotta plug the producer. He's, he's over here giving me the looks, giving me the nods, giving me the little cues when we're blathering too long. He does a really good job. And, uh, I guess go on to iTunes maybe and leave us like really good ratings. Like don't yep. leave negative stuff because just if, if it's negative, just don't listen. Like, you know, we, we, we want a five star podcast with a minimum of 1000 reviews by the end of the week. So if you can get, yeah, it, I, I, I want honest feedback from everyone in, in terms of like email me or tweet at me your, your honest thoughts. But if you leave a rating that's less than five stars, I will hunt you down and, and, and punch you. Right. Absolutely. And, and to echo Sean's sentiment, leave good reviews and then just lie to me. Just tell me I'm great. I don't want to hear any negative criticism. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot for listening. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, which means they're all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.